Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we're talking to Leah, a mom of two and one of Katie's good friends about giving birth during the COVID-19 pandemic. We should note that every hospital has different procedures surrounding COVID-19, so you should definitely talk with your doctor about the birthing process at your hospital. If you need help coming up with some questions, our episode last week was all about questions to ask your doctor about pregnancy and COVID-19. There's also a free worksheet that goes along with it that has the questions on it that you can download on our website, bestlifemomsclub.com. But before we get started, I just want to tell you to mark Thursday, September 24th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on your calendar. We're going to be going live on our Instagram, which is at bestlifemomsclub, and we'll be talking about the 10 fears new moms have and ways you can overcome them. We'll also be answering some questions you have for us, so make sure you mark it on your calendar to watch for that. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. So Leah, how old is your daughter? Yes, so uh, my baby girl, my daughter was born um, April 14th, so she's four and a half months now. She's my okay. second. And then you yes, also, because you, ha- you have a Finn. Yes. And he yes. is three. He's actually like a super fun age right now. I'm really enjoying, like, I really loved two to three and now three is awesome. Like, I feel like it keeps getting kind of more fun. So he's I totally age. agree. Yeah. Cause the boys are three and they will be four in uh, the end of September and they are just like, they're children. Right. And you can just do things and like, you can kind of leave them for a little bit. Like, kind of supervised but not supervised right yes exactly they entertain themselves kind of creative and imaginative yeah it's super fun so when COVID came around in March you were what eight months pregnant then yeah like I was planning to finish teaching the Friday before March break which turned out to be the day that everybody left the building (laughs) and nobody returned so um yeah, I mean, like, I'm trying to remember what my mindset was about COVID before, you know, going on mat leave. It certainly was not on the forefront of my brain, though, until really I finished work and everything else kind of shut down. I, I remember talking about it, and initially I was one of the people who I think kind of felt like it was going to be sort of like the seasonal flu, and like maybe the flu is even worse than COVID, and I don't think I really recognized how serious it was. 
And my husband, who's definitely someone who's like always, I feel like more calm and less anxious about these kinds of things. He said to me on like the Wednesday of my last week, he's like, I really think that COVID is a lot more serious than we're thinking. He's like, places are shutting down. Like this is really, really serious, really extreme. And I was, I couldn't imagine schools being closed. Like I just really didn't think that would be the next step. But sure enough, that Thursday I was at work we got word that schools were closing and for, I guess it was a two week period, I think after March break. And thankfully like Friday was my last day because I'd already moved my stuff out and like was packed up ready to not go back. But I think it would have complicated things a lot if I uh, was planning to start my mat leave later. So I was kind of grateful for that timing, but then all of a sudden I think I, my next OB appointment was the following week And that was the last time I saw my OB because she ended up taking a leave. There wasn't enough PPE. And I think she was kind of concerned about the health and safety at the hospital. So things escalated really quickly, I feel like, in that first week of me being off. Okay, so hold on, hold on. To the point. Sorry, okay. That's okay. So, So just to clarify, your OB... Like, because there was a lack of PPE, because, like, everywhere was lacking PPE, you saw your OB that following week, and that was the last time you saw her? Was the last time we saw her. Was that your last appointment? Until like a follow-up many weeks later. But was that your Um, last appointment that you had before you had Harper? It was not supposed to be. No. And I I did end up having some others with other OBs that were uh, taking her patients on in the sort of meantime. But I think they even, I was supposed to be at weekly appointments and they set them up, I think, to be every two weeks, if I'm remembering correctly. So I wasn't going every week. Um, the way I normally would have been at that time. So I saw, I ended up seeing, I think, one other OB in that time. And then my daughter was born three days after her due date. So I was supposed to actually go in the morning she was born for another appointment and then didn't because I was already in the hospital. <laughs> you were, so you had already had her, correct? So the second like appointment with a different doctor that I was supposed to have, um, it was scheduled for like the Tuesday morning and I went into labor like at 3am on Tuesday. So I, I was literally driving to the hospital and I was like saying to her, should I go to the appointment? Cause I think I'm in labor, like, but maybe I'm not, or like, who knows, maybe it's false labor, but we're literally on our way to the hospital. And I called them from the parking lot, like the, my OB's office and just said, Hey, pretty sure I'm in labor. Um, we're just going to go to, um, like get checked out at triage. Should I go to my appointment or can I just cancel that? So of course we canceled it. I did go on to have my baby. And when I was there overnight, the OB I was supposed to see was on round. So she came and she said, you were the person I was supposed to meet yesterday and here you are. So that totally happened with me with Freya. I had an appointment. Okay. I was like, I had to call and be like, so can't come to my appointment because I had the baby. You already know yeah, like, and the the funniest part actually was I saw a different OB, you know, like, I guess it was a week and a half. Well, maybe it was only a week, actually, because this was all happening over Easter weekend, too. She was born just after Easter weekend. But he said to me, I think there's like a 50-50 chance that you have this baby before next Tuesday, which was the Tuesday after Easter. And it turned out that I went into labor on that Tuesday. So anyway, his his guess was pretty close I guess yeah that's not bad so how did it make you feel so not only is COVID going on but you're not seeing your OB and you know what the care is normally and you know that you're seen once a week at the very end and you're not being seen once a week 
Yeah. I mean, we had a lot of different feelings. The first sort of major concern that I had was my last appointment with my OB. She was probably rightly so very concerned about what was going on in um, the regulations. And at that time, she told me that she didn't even think my husband would be permitted to come for the birth. So she was kind of saying, you're going to be in the hospital, probably on your own by the time your due date rolls around. So that was like super scary, I would say. And my husband wasn't allowed to come to the appointments with me either for the last few weeks because of COVID and the restrictions at the hospital. So I was receiving these, this news on my own. We had initially planned to FaceTime and then just when I tried to call, the timing didn't work out or whatever. So I truly was on my own getting this information. And I was just in tears as I left the hospital because I was like, that seems super scary. It felt almost like, and maybe this sounds too kind of like entitled, but I felt like it wasn't like fair or wasn't like allowed for them to say that my husband couldn't come. Like that was my initial kind of gut feeling was this doesn't feel right to me because it felt so scary to think about going and giving birth with like literally strangers, like wonderful, you know, nurses, but strangers to me. without my husband. And also I felt like that was going to be like a trauma that would take a long time to get over the fact that he missed that piece. And again, like that was my point of view and maybe that sounds too extreme, but that was definitely how I was feeling going, like imagining that sort of scenario. So that was really bad news for me. I felt like from the beginning um, and really, I think scared me about what the birth might be like, because it was very different from what I was expecting or hoping for, I guess. I don't, I don't think that sounds extreme, like an extreme reaction at all, because there's, it's such an emotionally, like, beyond the physical challenges of giving birth, like, it's such an emotionally challenging time, and not having that support person who is your husband there with you, like, must have been absolutely just, like, terrifying, too. Like, not only not fair, but also scary, because there's so many like unknowns and, and out of control. And that's the one person that you can lean on for that support. That would have been really scary. Yeah. And I think the thought too, of like, if I was having this baby a month earlier, two months earlier, or like, I mean, I don't know when all of this will be behind us, but like a year later, that wouldn't be the circumstance. So I think that was the part that in my mind felt unfair. I guess that's where that's coming from is I thought if this was at a different time, this wouldn't be the experience. So that turned out not to be the actual outcome. Um, I, I honestly was checking my hospital's like regulations probably daily to see if they were changing and when they were changing. Um, and they so, did. Hold on a second. When did you find out? Like how, how far in advance did you find out that your husband could be there? So like, it turned like when my OB told me like that was kind of her prediction the uh, regulations actually were the same from the time that I saw my OB last until I actually gave birth. So that whole like month, I would say, the hospital said that you could have a, one person with you. And the restriction was that they had to leave two hours after the birth. So once they moved you to the recovery space or the recovery room that you were in, they had to leave. So again, not ideal. And I think if it was my first child, I might've found it that much more difficult. But I felt, compared to not having him there at all, I felt like it was a huge um, positive that that was still the case. So that was the restriction when kind of all of this began. And then that remained the restriction when I gave birth. But I did meet a mom two week, who gave birth two weeks after me. And she said, 
Her husband could still be there, but there were some other stipulations like she had to wear a mask the whole time. So I do think things continued to ramp up after I gave birth. Did you have to wear a mask? I didn't. Not at all. (laughs) So, and I I kind of thought that might be the case. I had some friends who gave birth in other hospitals and that was the situation for them, like around the same time that I gave birth, but it turned out that I did not need a mask. So your husband could only stay there for the, for the labor and then two hours after, and then he had to leave you, which was that stipulation. What else was different? Because you had your son in pre-COVID times where you know, your husband was allowed to be there. Did he stay with you the whole postpartum after as well? Like with, with your son? Yes, he did. So he was with us the whole, or with me the whole time. And like, was there to do a lot of the care for the baby right after, which I found helpful because I had an epidural with my first. It just was so helpful to have him there. He was like changing the diapers first and he was the one getting up and actually getting the baby when he would cry. And I feel like because that was my first time giving birth, I felt like I really needed that support to, you know, (laughs) help make all of those things happen right after such a sort of exhausting experience. My labor was much longer that time as well because I um, had an epidural as well. I was kind of recovering from that a little bit for a little while after. So I certainly needed my husband a lot in the beginning, whereas I found this time, I did okay on my own, but I would have loved to still have him there. So did you have an epidural this time or you, you were completely natural? So I didn't. And that was one of the pieces that didn't go as planned for me. Um, and I think part of it was that my labor progressed a lot faster, which I was expecting. But my husband and I got the sense that like maybe they were a little bit short staffed. It felt like things were not moving as quickly around us as <laughs> my labor was progressing. So I think we arrived at like 8 a.m. in the morning And a doctor came around to do a check and he said, we're like, if you were going to take a guess, like, when do you think this baby's coming? He said, I don't think you're going to have this baby before my shift's over at noon. He's like, if I had to guess, it would be three o'clock. And he was totally, of course, just making a prediction and we weren't totally riding on that. But in our minds, we thought, you know, later in the afternoon, this baby would be here. Things escalated really quickly after that. And I remember saying when the nurse came to triage to bring me to my room, I was kind of like the only thing I really want to happen before I have this baby is I really want an epidural. I had one last time. I felt like it was a relaxing experience as a result. It's important to me. And she said, no problem. You know, sometimes we give epidurals when people are like 10 centimeters (laughs) dilated, you know, this should be no issue. But once I got to the room, my contractions were getting closer and closer. And I really at one point had to kind of speak up and say like, is someone coming? Like, I feel like we need to do this epidural soon. So they did get someone, but again, this was the piece I felt like we were waiting around a while, which is not unusual. I think when you're giving birth anyway and waiting for an epidural, but, um, you know, often they're called into C-sections or like emergency situations. And mine wasn't that by the time he came, he did do it, but it never took, which was the super strange thing. So I don't know if it was just too rushed. Like I had a lot of contractions while that was happening. So we had to stop multiple times when he was trying to get it in. So we were kind of waiting for that to kick in and it never did. So it ended up being a natural birth, which was a piece that I mentally was not prepared for, which again, kind of complicated things a little bit for me, but it was fast. (laughs) Wow. You are a a trooper. I just was like laughing after because in the moment it felt so challenging because I think because I hadn't prepared myself for that 
at all mentally. So it was hard and I felt like I was not approaching it from the right place, the right mindset, the right like calm feeling. I was panicked because I wanted it to be different and it was progressing as it was. It's really interesting that you meant, like you say that you were mentally not prepared for that because just yesterday I was talking to someone and saying like, I think I'm going to try and look into some stuff so that I can mentally prepare in case an epidural doesn't work. Like those were my exact words yesterday about it. And because apparently that happens and like women, lots of women who want an epidural can't get them or, you know, I was like, and I don't think I've, I've never really considered that perspective in the past. So I was like, I'm going to try and do that this time just in case. So it's very interesting that Mm -hmm. you say that your mindset was panicked because you had wanted that epidural and had planned on it. And that was a really challenging piece for you mentally. I was having a conversation with someone who likes to prepare. And I said to her, you need to kind of prepare for what you want plan A to be, but you also have to do plan B and C, right? Like, And so maybe that's, I do want an epidural, but what happens if I can't get the epidural or it doesn't work? And then what happens if I need an emergency C-section? Like you kind of need to know all about vaginal birth, but you also need to know about C-sections because I do know people who've had emergency C-sections who are like completely thrown for a loop because they knew absolutely nothing about what was going to happen. Well, and actually, you just jogged my memory on something as well. When I was in triage, uh, we were talking about the epidural, and the doctor who was kind of doing a check at that time, he said that because of COVID, I'm trying to remember exactly what the reasoning was, but he said they were kind of like recommending people get epidurals because it would save them from if it went to an emergency C-section, they wouldn't have to intubate to do... Anyway... Sorry, I don't know all the details of exactly how all of like all the different sort of anesthesia um, methods, but I think there was one where he said if they had to do something and like it was an emergency and they had to put you out, they didn't want to do the intubating because of COVID and the risk. So they were recommending epidurals to people. That makes sense. Just to sort of it does make in, in the event of that, but so he was like, you know, we were talking about it, and I was planning to have one, so that would have been fine, but. Um, in the end, it didn't end up taking. <laughs> so, well, I know for twins, because my firstborn are twins. So if oh, you're going to do it vaginally, they tell you you need to have an epidural because if you do need a C-section on the second twin, usually the first one is easy to get out, but the second one, there might be the complications. If you need to do, if they need to do an emergency C-section, you already have the epidural so they can do it kind of just go for it. So that makes sense to carry it over into like what you're saying, Leah, about that recommendation of to have an epidural, so that there's some sort of pain medication and blockage already in place so that if an emergency situation comes in, they don't have to knock you out, thus intubating you. Because if you're knocked out, then you're you're not breathing on your own. And they don't want to do that. Yes. Very interesting. And I think that was like the droplets or something. Yeah. So I find that interesting as well. I totally forgot about that actually. We were just talking about that. But uh, yeah, so they did mention that. I think they were giving them pretty routinely. I mean, I'm sure if you didn't want one, that was okay. But I think they were sort of suggesting them um, to people coming in. So that's interesting. So your husband, Kevin, was not able to stay past the two hours postpartum. 
And then was there any other like very like kind of big differences that you noticed or went through compared to having been in pre-COVID times? I mean, the big ones for sure were, I mean, my experiences were different for different reasons. Like, of course, the epidural thing that I mentioned made it feel very different. It also was a much faster birth. The doctors were kind of like all geared up, which I was expecting. I expected them to be in masks and face shields and um, sort of the whole get up. And then there were pieces of it after that. I think they took my temperature a lot, which I actually think is normal but maybe that was a COVID thing. I I can't remember from having my son, but they did take my temperature regularly while I was there. And then, I mean, once I was in recovery, I was essentially on my own. Like he literally walked me to like the doors where it switches from the like delivery side to the recovery side. And that was it. So it was sort of a weird feeling because then I was like, okay, I'm truly on my own with this like brand new baby. Um, And the nurses were excellent. I would say like, my experience this time, I felt, and maybe it was just different people, but I really felt like they were super conscientious about checking in on me. They were in helping me out a lot. And I think perhaps that was just different people, but I also think it was kind of because they knew that all of these new moms were kind of on their own with their babies. So that was a little bit different, but I think in a positive way. And I think because it was my second child, there were things that were a little bit easier and I hadn't had the epidural either. So I could kind of like be up and moving a little bit quicker. How did you feel about being in the hospital? Did you feel safe? Like, because so many people feel like, you know, the whole connection of COVID and COVID patients being in the hospital and then giving birth. Did you feel safe while you were in the hospital or was that a concerning issue for you? I think that's a really good question. Um, I would say leading up to the birth. So like the couple appointments that I did end up, um, I guess I had two really, uh, or three, if you include the last one, I sort of saw my OB. Um, we were definitely very nervous for me to go like, just because I felt like at the hospital, there had been some COVID cases. And even though they were in a totally different place in the hospital, I just felt like a little bit too close for me. So I was certainly very apprehensive and I would bring hand sanitizer. I think I wore gloves the first time. We had a couple of masks. I think masks were still a little hard to come by that that time, but my mom had gotten a few for us. We had a few disposable masks that I would use, but like I remember standing, I would, didn't sit in the waiting room. I kind of like stood in the hall waiting for my appointment. And then I'd come home and like basically take everything off. I like showered and washed my hair. Like I was super um, hyper aware of like what the risk could be. And that was true for all of my appointments that I went to leading up to the birth. By the time the birth actually happened, I think my husband and I had talked about it a little bit and felt that probably the hospital is one of the cleaner places to be, you know, at least in the labor and delivery ward, because we felt like they were being hyper aware of cleanliness and um, sanitization. So in some ways, I think I felt a bit better um, than I had at my appointments, but we were still certainly very nervous. And I think the biggest piece we were nervous for was trying to figure out what to do with my son while we went to the hospital. So we really, you know, had it not been COVID would have very quickly asked my parents to come. And in the end, they did still come. They were happy to be there. We were happy to have them, but we were pretty nervous about me bringing something home and actually giving it to them. So that was like a really big concern. And I actually felt even when we called my parents and they came like in the middle of the night, I felt like we were like breaking the law or something because 
the restrictions were so restrictive, <laughs> but like we really, like you, we were being told every day on TV, you shouldn't be with anybody outside of your like immediate family. So it felt, even though my parents had been totally isolated and we had it as well, it felt like we were doing something really awful <laughs> by having them come and take care of our son. So that was a piece that definitely played into a lot of the sort of like anxious feelings I had leading up to it. Thankfully, it turned out okay, but that was definitely a, a big factor for us. We were very nervous for that and what I'd be bringing home. Well, there were so many unknowns in April. Like you said, we were like completely locked down then, right? And yes, you know, I, we were washing our groceries off, right? So like we didn't yes. know how it was, how you could get it, right? So you had to take every precaution. We didn't know how it would affect a baby if, if the mom got COVID, right? So yeah, everyone was being hyper vigilant, right? I remember thinking too, because I have seasonal allergies that kick in usually like kind of end of May, beginning of June. So it was a bit earlier that I was having my baby, but I remember thinking like, what if I sneeze in the middle of birth? Like, are they going to be, or like, what if my husband had like just a general cold? Like they probably wouldn't allow him into the hospital if he had any symptoms um, just because the screening was so high. So I thought like, if we got any, even not COVID, but any other symptom. I felt concerned that I think they would still obviously allow me to have my baby there, but my husband might not be able to come. So that was another piece that I think I was stressed about leading up to it. So yeah, I don't know what I would have done if it was during allergy season, but I was certainly like worried for that possibility, knowing that that was not COVID, but might make me seem like I had COVID. Did you get a swab while you were in labor like or beforehand? No. So I'm trying to remember like back then, I feel like there wasn't, testing was not readily available the way it is now. I'm sure they would have tested me if I had any symptoms, but I didn't have to go through any testing to go there. It was just when you showed up, they would ask you a series of questions. Have you sanitized your hands and then allow you to enter the hospital? So even though it was in the height of the pandemic, just to like kind of recap the differences, like you didn't end up getting tested because testing wasn't really readily available for anyone who wasn't showing symptoms. And I think frontline workers maybe, or I don't even know if they were able to get tested then. And then you didn't have to wear, you did not wear a mask while you were in labor. Right. That's interesting because like, that's such a big fear. Right. And I think that was a really big fear in the spring too. Like, am I, how am I supposed to have, how am I supposed to go through labor and delivery with a mask on my face. So I think a lot of people were really concerned then about that. Yeah. And I think it would have certainly changed the experience. Like I, I do remember thinking after that I was grateful that I didn't have to wear a mask, but I like, I had a friend who gave birth the week before me and she did. So like at a different hospital, but I remember sort of expecting that was probably going to be the case, but wow, the birth is hard enough. I feel like without a mask. So adding that extra complication, I think, you know, well necessary and maybe it is necessary. Um, I was grateful to just not have that experience. Yeah, for sure. That's, it's really interesting. I haven't talked to anybody about giving birth in COVID. So interesting to hear someone's account. Well, and I do remember having just a feeling of relief when I got to leave the hospital. Cause I was like, okay, like this was a big thing in my mind that I was going to a place where perhaps I'd be picking something up to bring home. I didn't know how it was going to go with my, you know, parents coming and I didn't want to get them sick. I didn't know how the actual birth would unfold. So I remember just leaving with my baby. My husband came to pick me up the next day because he wasn't obviously with me. And I remember just having a huge like 
feeling of relief to get in the car and then like show up at home. And I just, I felt like a million bucks, even though I also felt like physically so exhausted. I was like, wow, we did it. Like this was a huge hurdle in my mind. And like, here we are, we have this like healthy baby. I just felt so grateful and so lucky, but, um, so maybe it makes you appreciate things more too, having sort of imagining the worst experiences that you could have. And, uh, anyway, but it was interesting. Gives me some stories to tell. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, like it sounds like it really just all around. It sounds like it was a really challenging birth and labor and delivery. The birth was like, I, I would say in some ways, like the labor, it was faster like with my son, it was like a full 24 hours from like my first contraction to like when he was born, you know, I had an epidural. It started in the evening. I labored at home. And then during the day I got the epidural like earlier in the morning, probably at like 10 napped a bit, like was able to sort of be calm for a long time. And it progressed slowly. And like the pushing phase was like, I feel like two hours. <laughs> it was long. But then for my daughter, I don't know if it's because I didn't have the epidural or just the second child or some combination of both. The birth was, I would say, nine hours start to finish. So, like, from my first contraction to, I think she was born at noon um, or 12.30. Um, it was almost exactly nine hours. So, it did go a lot faster. Um, it was extremely challenging in that I would say there's probably about half an hour of time when I was getting ready to push. The epidural hadn't kicked in. And, you know, I think the doctor had said to me, it was about 11.45 when they finished you know, doing the epidural. And he said, by 12.15, you should be feeling good. And I remember looking at the clock at 12. And that was the time the doctor who had done rounds earlier in the morning at, in triage came in. He goes, wow, this progressed so much faster. I'm done here. And like, this baby's coming any second. And I remember looking at the clock at 12 and like, okay, you can do this for 15 more minutes. But I remember at one point grabbing my husband's arm and just like staring at him. I'm like, I, I can't do this. This is not how I thought it was going to go. And there was a nurse who like calmed me down. She like looked me in the eyes. She's like, you can do this. You're like, we're going to start pushing now. And then I think it was like nine minutes of pushing and the baby was there. So very different from the much longer labor with my son, but it was pretty intense. I would say for that window of time where I was like hoping this epidural was going to kick in and it never did. So yeah, that piece was very, very challenging. And in hindsight, doesn't seem that bad in my mind. And I was really proud that I did it in the moment was very challenging for sure. I had to dig deep on that you like just listening to it it sounds like beyond the physical side of not having your epidural kick in and and then having to face that reality of like I have to do this I have no choice it sounds like the mental stresses of like the anxiety leading up to it the concern about whether or not your husband's going to be there like all those things kind of stacking sound really challenging it just sounds like you said, like whether it was COVID or just, you know, every birth is different. It seems very like this was a, a challenging piece. And I think, co I think this was a challenging experience, but I think COVID played by my observation, COVID played a very big piece in that additional challenges that you faced in, in this. Yeah. And I think leading up to it, especially like it felt very, like there's a lot of uncertainty, I would say like leading into it. But I, I honestly think that's why I felt so good after. So I was like, okay, this is done. And then I, I still found all of the COVID stuff stressful having a newborn, but it was a different feeling than this sort of unknown before she was born. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird experience because it was definitely very 
uh, nerve wracking to begin with, very intense. And then like kind of this like relief after that just, we did it. And now we have this awesome baby. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like it's good I'm recapping some of the details here because it feels like some of them have almost been like hidden deep down in the uh, memory boxes <laughs> we just kept saying like what a strange strange time to be born like what a cool story thankfully everybody was okay and healthy and and all of that but uh, it certainly was a different experience for sure it's so interesting just like to talk to you and hear about your experience and just like hear everything about no, we're always fascinated by other people's birth stories, but like the COVID storyline within this story is very, very interesting. And like to see the perspective of the differences between the two is very interesting. Well, thanks for sharing your story with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.